Thank you, thank you. Oh, please, save it, save it for someone who deserves it. Thank you, thank you very much. Hello, everyone, it is your buddy and your pal, Ouch, back again with What You've Been Watching, the movie or TV show review show here on the Ouchcast. It is a cold winter night down here at the Under the Bridge recording studio. I have about three different blankets on me, a house coat, and a pair of warm fuzzy socks. So, Comfy is at an all-time high right now. But for today's show, we dug into the Ouch DVD library. Some of it's kind of got to get called anymore. You know what I mean? I just, the collections, you just kind of look at it and you just go, what's this for? Why am I keeping all this? There's having favorites, but everything's going digital, so... For today's show, we dug into that, and it turns out it's going to be a classic. Without further ado, let's talk about what I've been watching. Hit that music, please. When I picked today's movie, I was taking a huge risk in terms of killing nostalgia. It, there's always that threat of when you've been holding on to something as a kid or a younger person, and then you come back and you revisit it when you are an older guy, and the, that chance of it not holding up to the test of time, it's risky because you've just dedicated a chunk of childhood, teenagerhood, whatever you want to call it, of something that was not good. You don't want to say that, you know what I mean? But thankfully enough, spoiler alert, today's movie passed flawlessly. We are talking about 1988's Akira, the first big anime to hit American theaters. As a kid, I want to say around high school freshman, maybe even younger, my brother bought the first volume of the manga from one of his friends or one of his classmates, something like that. Now, this is not one of those bite-sized books you would see at Barnes & Noble. No, this thing was like a tome. This was a college paperback textbook. That's how thick these volumes were. And they're just about as big. And with six, six volumes in the story, each one got a little bit bigger to the end. So, in this movie came out, I remember renting it, owning it, still own it. I wanted to see if it stood up. So, the story of the movie itself set off in the far, far future of Neo Tokyo 2019. Damn it. But in this story, there's a lot of not converging storylines, but certainly swirling alongside each other, very parallel to each thing going. You have a lot of overpowered governments, giant protests in the city. You have like high drama, like anti-government groups. 
you have these like teenage biker gangs and then you have some psychic super fight showdowns i guess is the best way to put it so two biker kids kaneda and tetsuo are fighting this clowns gang tetsuo gets into an accident with this super psychic kid which is apparently enough to transfer psychic powers i guess that might be one of the only things i didn't quite dig or got on this one he gets tetsuo gets captured by the government they start messing with him kaneda is trying to accidentally find him while he's helping out this terrorist group i guess who are trying to get the super psychic kids out or something like that but again a lot of kind of different storylines going on it's easy to track more so than the description i'm giving you if you watch it you will get kind of get the idea so the movie basically follows tetsuo's rise of becoming the strongest super psychic kid there is because he's just like he's like force pushing people into complete liquid like he is massacring people it's one of the things i kind of forgot about this movie it's pretty damn brutal all things considered like people get mowed down by machine gun fire people just get completely liquidated uh, you get arms cut off, people shot in the face, like, mayhem, violence, people falling. It's, it's what anime well, is about par for course for. Visually, honestly, this is still, like, stunning. Like, it's really high quality. And even for 1988 cell animation... Like, it's quite, it's honestly, it's it's amazing. It is, it has a details, it is smooth action the entire time, and it gets equally gross throughout. So, it's really well done. Especially when it captures this great feeling of a cyberpunk, neo-Tokyo kind of thing, without going over the top with, like, cybermetrics and robots and things like that. The character design itself is okay. It's detailed enough where it needs to be so you can kind of tell who's who and who's separate and the differences between them. That's okay, but the look and tone that the background sets, it's really, really well done. When it comes to the sound, this is probably one of the things where I'm discovering more as an adult than as I was teenager. But this music pops. It is haunting. It's foreboding. But it stands out. Because I don't think I have ever heard any other music soundtrack, game soundtrack, anything like that, like this one. It is haunting. Like, take the Blue Man group with a lot of, like, percussions and things like that. Take out the funny and put in maybe scary. I kind of I think that metaphor makes sense. But, like, I have never heard a song style like what's in this movie. It almost becomes iconic. All I need to hear is Tetsuo's theme 
and I am I, I might as well just start chanting Akira in the streets, okay? Like, that's how much this music is just connected to this. The voice acting itself, I think very good. I think it is one step above what your average dubbed anime is going to do. It does. It is better. I think it's a little bit of a higher standard on this one than what regular oh geez here they cut like you know the low, low quote not low quality but low energy just get through the lines kind of thing this is at least a step above that there are parts in the movie where they will cut one or the other like it'll be you know dead quiet like no music soundtrack while the person is talking or it'll be the person, the characters just acting out with just background. I don't think it has the same punch as the director kind of thought it would have. Because it's not necessarily timed with anything. It is just a quiet moment for a little bit showing some actions specifically. And then it goes to a scene where it's right back. It's... It doesn't quite have like a pop or a cut to thing. It is just quiet scene for a little bit. That I kind of found a little weird, but like the music and acting itself, both are really good and both are well done. The story. Again, a lot of different elements swirling, not quite together, but at the same time. As confusing as I made it sound at the beginning, it does track pretty easily. You stay with the characters and you can kind of get what's going on, what's got their, these people are doing, who's with who, who's on what side, things like that. The only kind of complaint, I don't think that character relationships are given enough time to breathe or have explanations why all of a sudden they're connected. Like, Kaneda and Tetsuo are childhood friends, they're in the same gang, that makes sense. But they introduce the female character, Kay, who's like part of this terrorist group trying to do the job. She starts just kinda hanging out with Kaneda a lot of the time, and it's not like it doesn't seem there, you know, there's no romance in this movie, so you really don't have to worry about that. But like, it doesn't seem like enough happens between those two for the fact that they just start hanging out for the rest of the movie. It just seemed a little more than odd that the movie kept trying to push like Canada. It's like, hey, maybe we should go out for drinks sometime, except it didn't go anywhere with it. I never quite understood that connection. Now, the other big, big issue, I mean, maybe not issue, maybe, you know, I understand why they had to do it, but you almost cut too much is coming from six giant tomes of story and plot lines and things like that. They had to cut so much out for the movie release. I mean, 
they basically got rid of the pill storyline. There's like one mention of it, but then that's it. They pretty much got rid of the fortune teller. You see her here, right around where Tetsuo starts getting his powers. Like she is kind of like one of the people leading the Akira cult after Tetsuo. She gets like a scene and then immediately gets killed. There's, you know, spoilers, spoiler for a 30 year old, 50 year, no, 88, 88, 98, 2008, 2018. Spoilers for a 30 year old thing. But, you know, there's a scene where, you know, Akira is an actual person and he is around in the book. Like that's completely gone. It's like, I think there's a bit of a deeper backstory with the group Key is K is with. And then arguably, probably the worst comic book reveal moment since the Watchmen finale. It's not quite the finale itself, but it is that big jump from the comic book where you're just like, that's really kind of lame. That wasn't as good as the book. Again, like, as much as I shouldn't compare the two, I have memories of both kind of interjecting. I don't remember which one was in which, but they're kind of mixing together. But no, it's just the moment. It's not the climax, amazingly enough, but the moment where, spoilers again, Tetsuo reaches Akira and it's just all his organs in jars. It's like, no, he's dead. Akira's been dead for hundreds of years. Something along those lines. This is not a good improv. Whatever. But yeah, that that line, that reveal, probably the only true dud moment in the movie. So it is what it is. So, with this fresh rewatch in. Is there entertainment value to this? Yes, absolutely. It has very good action scenes. A lot of high-speed chases, a lot of fights, a lot of gunfights, psychic fights, battles, racing around. Very, very um, action movie, but even for 1988 standards, I wouldn't say it goes over the top. Like, it is enough where in you still have enough story that drives it through. So that's very nice. Especially near the end, where you start getting a lot of crazy visuals and weirdness. You kind of have that throughout the movie, but it keeps building and building to the end. With the final climax in the Tokyo Olympics stadium and Tetsuo becoming a giant gross inflatable baby now the only other thing it is a little long in the tooth the movie itself is about two hours which is uh probably pushing it for today's day and age of social media and super clicking and stuff like that I my I wish where was I at 1998? 1988. Oh, I had just been born. But if they could go back, they if they took all the tomes of the books and split them up, kind of like the Harry Potter series did, if they had done it that way with sequels, 
I think you would have had a hard-hitting series that really would have been big. They did one, it's fine, and you basically got another four volumes of cut content that what are you going to do with, you know? You know, if they did some Harry Potter-style sequels, I think it would have been better. That's just me. Overall, this is not new information, but this is the highest recommendation I can give. Like, this movie is iconic for a damn reason. It looks good, it's got crazy storylines, like, insane visuals, the soundtrack you will only hear in this movie, and it is just great. It is the standard, it is the icon. It's gotta be on some streaming service. Do what you gotta do, watch Akira. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. Do you want to help a podcaster out? First, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JustOuch, capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Then, leave a five-star review on Spotify. It's new for them, give it a try. And if you feel so inclined, consider a monthly reoccurring donation. Just go to anchor.fm slash ouch and click support this podcast. Choose from three levels and donate what you feel is right. You can even leave a voice message for me to hear, and you might even hear it on a future episode. Until next time, this was your buddy and your pal Ouch saying thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me soon. Bye bye everyone.